All I can say is, okay, sign emoji. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people did end up uh, drawing him in that outfit, so uh, you weren't alone in liking it, for sure. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of downloads. All right, leave it, <laughs> leave it, leave it. <laughs> Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, we have our wizard of weight, what, Jinoda? I have been drunk on Valentine's chocolates, and it's great. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are worse states you could be in. And our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. Like my twinks, I prefer my coffee blonde. <laughs> oh god anyway <laughs> so before we actually get started tonight i do want to talk about one thing in particular that is somewhat tangentially related to what we actually are going to be talking about and i'll explain that in just a second so i went a couple of days ago to see uh the new movie alita battle angel which is an adaptation of a manga from the early 90s um by the time this episode actually goes out, I think we're like three or four weeks ahead at this point. So the the, the runtime of the movie may be over in theaters. Um, but if it's still in theaters and you haven't seen it by the time this episode comes out, definitely go see it because it is an absolutely fantastic, fantastic Hollywood. I would say the first really great Hollywood adaptation of uh, either a manga or a light novel source material. Definitely, like, like in in terms of the the ones that we've gotten recently which have been mediocre to eh. um some 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 uh, movies like speed racer come to mind that was pretty awful um and then like ghost in the shell which actually wasn't as bad as people said it was but it still wasn't great um this movie however is really really great um you can definitely tell that a lot of passion went into making this of course i would hope so it's been being worked on for about 20 years now um but you can certainly tell that James Cameron, who was the co-writer and a producer on this movie, definitely cares about the source material that the movie itself stems from, um, and that he cares about the people that are fans of it that are going to go see it. Is it a perfect one-for-one adaptation of the manga? No. But for me personally, as someone who has read the manga and who actually really loves the manga, I think that what it takes out is perfectly fine. Um, and a lot of it is very justifiable since you're moving from a two-dimensional medium to a three-dimensional medium. Uh, there were some changes that they made where I was like, why? I mean, okay, I can take this, but why? A good example of this is one of the main characters. They changed his name from Zugo to Hugo. I don't know why they did that, but I could, I can live with it. Um. Uh, they did do. Uh, they did change some of the personalities of a couple of the characters. Again, not a whole lot, so it's it's very easy to take. Um, 
And I would actually say there's a very specific part of the movie that they actually did really, really good. And I would say at least as good, if not maybe slightly better than the manga, and that's the motorball sequences. Um, mostly because it's as good as you may be as a mangaka, it's, there comes a point where there's only so much that you can transfer or you can get through to your readers with having three-dimensional motion on a two-dimensional medium. Um, so I thought that that was done really, really well. The music is spectacular. Um, the, uh, the OST is just, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, so I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil any of this. Like I don't, uh, the way I don't want to spoil the story, the story. Eventually, at least myself and Chinoda are going to get together and do like a full on spoiler cast slash review of the movie. Um, so you can definitely look forward to that. Uh, the one last thing I will say before we move on is that actually two last things is that um the um i lost my train of thought <laughs> god damn it um oh is that if you do go to see this and you have a chance to see this in imax 3d definitely try and see it that way because the movie looks really good that way i know there's a lot of people who are like really very lukewarm on 3d movies it's like this movie looks really good in 3d trust me um and the second thing is, like, definitely support this movie if you can, because this is the kind of adaptation that we need Hollywood making. Um, we need we need adaptations that actually respect the source. Not necessarily one-to-one -one adaptations, but definitely respect the spirit of the source material, and that's exactly what this movie does. So that's, that's why you should go uh, support this in theaters, if you can. Um, uh, we're actually recording this the week after its opening weekend. I know for a fact it won the weekend. I, I don't have it in front of me by how much. I also know it won the weekend in Asia. So it has that. It it, it I don't know what I, – I, I forgot to grab the money amounts before we started recording, but I do hope it makes enough to warrant a sequel because it definitely deserves it. Um, again, not spoiling anything – the movie itself only adapts about the first third of the manga. So there's definitely room for a sequel. Anyway, uh, moving on. So tonight, what we are actually going to be talking about for the majority of this podcast is the concept of fan-created works. So these are things like a bridge series, uh, fan art, doujinshi, fan fiction, uh, fan-produced anime, music, games, things of that nature. Um, so... I want I want to throw this out there to both of you who are here. Uh, I think one of the things that we all personally enjoy about these things, like these fan works, is that it's an expression of people who are themselves fans who actually want to give back to the communities around these works. That's why I love stuff like this. I guess. I don't really think about the artists. I just think about what they're giving me, what I can take from them, and then leave them in the dust. You know? <laughs> wow. I mean, but without the artist, you wouldn't have got it in the first place. Don't try to uh, morally shame me. <laughs> I'm just going to take what I can and Move on. put the middle finger to everyone else. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't really, honestly, I don't really view it as like, I don't you, I don't view fan art as something, as a community kind of thing where I'm like connecting to the artist with my love of the show. I don't really see it like that. I see it more of like a community building up the concept of the show. So like, 
as more fan works uh, surface around a particular show, you get like a whole collage of a different narrative that's running parallel to this to the show, and you can get you can get a more um, complex. Uh, uh, you can get more from the show than what the show is actually giving you, is what I'm trying to say. It's fair enough. Would you say the same thing, Chinoda? Uh, I would uh, agree at least partially. I would say that um, the cre- uh, the fan creators definitely uh, are pillars of the community, though, because they are the content creators after a show is either done or in a hiatus, whatever it, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, bizarre. They- <laughs> they they hold up a special place in the community as uh, pillars and people do tend to flock around them but at the same time they are just there for uh being fellow fans of the whatever series whatever franchise it's yeah. just a it's also just a, a build up of the show or whatever work uh, you happen to be discussing. It's almost like a hype squad. Definitely. I would definitely. That's a great way to phrase it. I would agree. <laughs> I just I thought that was like, you're kind of describing what a hype squad or like cheerleaders actually do. Fan artists are honestly the best cheerleaders. It's tr- true. I, I will say this, that fan artists and people who do other kinds of fan work in general are sometimes better marketers of the whatever they're, you know, deriving their, their stuff from than actual marketing companies. Honestly, half the shows I get into watching these days might just be because of memes. It's true. Have any have have you guys actually ever started a, like an anime or a manga series or a light novel series just based on fan works that you've seen based on it? Oh, without a doubt. I've said this before, but Token Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I can say the same thing about JoJo's. Like, I knew more about JoJo's memes going into the the show than I did at the actual story. Honestly, um, you can say that for a lot of people. I know for a fact that at least half my friends have gotten into it just because of the sheer amount of memes and popularity. Like, just because of that, they've gotten into JoJo. So I'm like, wow, yeah. okay. It is it is amazing that you can get into to stuff like this. I, again, like you say, it, it's it's the, the, the charge of this hype squad, these fan work, these fan artists that that do this stuff around these shows and these manga and stuff. Um, so I, I want to start somewhere very particular with something that I think all of us have enjoyed to some degree or another, and that's a bridge series. Um, now I part, I don't really watch a whole lot of a bridge series much anymore, but back like in the late two thousands, early 2010s, I used to watch them a lot because back then is where like when a lot of them started coming out. Um, I, I certainly remember like Dragon Ball abridged. Uh, um, uh, they had uh, Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. They had for a while. I don't even know if it's still going on, but they had Naruto abridged for a while there too, which is pretty good. Yeah, I was into abridged the same around the same time, the early 2010s. Um, yeah, I don't watch them anymore either. I I don't know. They've just I just lost interest, I guess. But um, in addition, I love Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. It was so amazing and one of the 
the most interesting things that I think that Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge did is that they were able to craft an entirely separate plotline apart from the actual plot, um, only using clips from the original yeah. work, which is pretty impressive. And honestly, it like uh, flipped my brain upside down and I loved it. And I love that we were seeing an entirely new story <laughs> from the exact same animation. It was amazing. It's the ultimate form of, of like narrative recycling. I guess so. It's the, it is honestly the only good form. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chinoda? I know you, lo- you love a bridge series. I absolutely love them. I don't watch them as much as I used to. And this isn't because I, um, I don't like them as much anymore. It's more over nowadays. I, I try to save them up for rainy days. Where I can just, if I'm feeling a bit on the low side, or if I'm, if I just have nothing to do, and I I want to spend time on something that's just completely feel good, I'll, I'll watch a a bridge series, and it's great. And I know I need to get back up on uh the stuff because I am, <laughs> I'm years behind on some things, and I kind of feel bad <laughs> about that. Well, the good thing is it won't take you very long to get caught up. <laughs> that is the good thing, but that's also the sad thing. <laughs> but um, I, I think it, it, it's amazing because when when those bridge series first started out, I, it like YouTube was still like relatively young, but it was still the only like real video sharing platform there was to put this on back then. It and was of course, back infancy, then, yeah. They, Back back then, they had YouTube had a limit. Like I don't think any video could be over ten or fifteen minutes in length which is why a lot of those abridged series had 10 minute long episodes. Um, and I think to, to a degree that's continued mostly that abridged series are around 10 to 15 minutes long per episode. Um, but when the, all that's when the abridging kind of started, you had just like two or three groups of people that were working on it. You know, you had a uh, little Karibo, you had team four star, but now like, and another thing is, a lot of those early abridged series, they were all based around long-running shonen shows. And I think part of that is because when you, when you have had a long-running shonen show, you had a lot of of material you could draw from. You had a lot of video that you could use to piece your stuff together. Um, but nowadays, I, people make abridged series all the time, or like abridged one-offs or one-shots all the time. And you don't even have to be that professional when you make them. In fact, some of them are unprofessional by design, and that makes them in the end funnier. Oh yeah, quite so. I've seen a lot of one-shots for a lot of uh, seasonal shows, and Mm -hmm. my god, they are amazing. I wish there were more of them, just because of how they are. If if you go at at the end of just about any anime season, like whether it's spring, summer, winter, fall, whatever, and you go look up a show that was relatively popular, there's probably someone somewhere, a group of people that have put up an abridged like one shot of that show, and and some of them have amazingly short turnaround time. Like I'm genuinely impressed, but I mean, how could you not be? Because some of these are really well written. <laughs> And that's another thing. Some of these abridged series, to be really good, have to involve some really good writing because a lot the jokes don't always write themselves. Sometimes they do. In the case of like Dragon Ball C abridged, a lot of the jokes wrote themselves. But 
Um, I, I applaud the people that actually write the script for these abridged series because it can't be easy. Because you have to work within the confines of already established like video sources. On the bright side, you can uh, tune the uh, the lip flaps to whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Which is something that people who do actual like English dubs don't have to worry about. Speaking of that, in uh, the abridged heyday, I remember thinking that like these abridgers that are like working out of their home are better voice actors than the actual English dubs. Like I prefer these. Some of them were. I prefer these like crazy voices, and then I and then I go to an English dub, and they're like. I am a robot. I want to be the best I ever was. And I'm like, I want to hear you scream that line at the top of your lungs until you're hoarse. That's what I'm <laughs> here for. That's what, that's what I go to the Abridged series for. That, yeah. I will say that in, that in those days, for sure, a lot of times you got better voice acting from the Abridged series than you did with the actual English dub. That, that in itself is good because some people... I think there were there were some when I was watching those I thought well, there's some of these people that are doing this I think could genuinely become voice actors if they wanted to, and there have been uh, people and there that have, have been. gone into the industry just off of the fan creations. Yeah, well, yeah, there's there's some people who actually ended up working on a bridge series who got like so there were some people who did voice work on a bridge series that got picked up and you know or did some English dubbing and I like that's really cool. In my in my opinion, like when when you can go from being a fan to actually working in the industry, I think that's that, that's indicative of how cool this industry can be. Like at that point, you made it, you did it. Yeah, <laughs> you are the ultra weeb. Congratulations. Um, I think, but but speaking of that, the going from fan to to actual professional working in the industry thing, I think that there's no greater uh, example of that in particular than with doujinshi artists not just like you know the artists themselves or the people who make the stories but you, there's there's so many doujinshi artists that have gone from being the a- actual like fan artist doujinshi artist to having published manga like mainstream legitimate published manga and that just fascinates me because like let's be honest even though doujinshi doesn't have any have any obligation to be explicit 99.9 percent of them are um and it's just amazing to me that some of these people who work in for lack of a better term smut end up getting mainstream publication i mean when people recognize quality they want to give money to support it to see that person uh flourish so that they give back eventually make it even better works and yeah. that's what tends to happen. Yeah. Um, a few months ago, Show and I did an episode of the podcast where we talked about the legality of Dujinji. By the way, if you haven't seen that, go watch it um, or re- listen to it either way. Um, but if you think about it, some of these artists kind of take their lives into their hands when they decide to do this full time because they can end up getting sued if they if, you know, people... <clears throat> Excuse me. If pe- pe- people in the industry wanted to, there's nothing really stopping them. But it's just like this unwritten rule. Um, but there, there's two. There's two uh, do- former Dojinshi artists that I wanted to talk about in particular. Um, the first is the artist of uh, who does the Food Wars manga, uh, Shun Saiki. 
Um, I think if you're like me and show and you have read Food Wars, I think you can kind of tell that this person has worked in Dotenji before. <laughs> and it pays off well. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does really well. Um, it, if you haven't read Food Wars, and I'm not, we're not going to spoil it, but there's... There are subtle, not so subtle hints that uh, this this person who does the art for this has done very explicit work in the past and kind of wants to keep doing it because he keeps putting flashes of it throughout the actual work. And I I think it's great. Like it works for Food Wars. It really does. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about is uh, Fujita, who is the. Uh, the manga behind Wotakoi or Love is Hard for an Otaku, uh, that actually started on Pixiv. Um, and eventually, I wish John was here because he actually knows the full story. But the long story is short is this this manga ended up getting sort of discovered on Pixiv. And uh, production companies like, this is really good and it, it, it's, it's pretty popular. You did, why don't you just come, you know, publish this with us? And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> And again, that's really cool because not only did this and Food Wars end up getting an anime, both became really popular. <laughs> it's arguably, arguably they got more popular than if they had just stayed independent, you know, artists, not you know, not getting picked up by anybody. I mean, it's kind of similar to how a lot of web novels get picked up into light novels, get picked up into manga, get picked up into anime, get picked up into Hollywood adaptations. That's very true. But it all has to start somewhere. And I actually think I I applaud Pixiv as a service because it's actually led to a lot of artists and mangaka getting discovered that way. And like Pixiv is still a free service that just anyone can use. I have a Pixiv. I don't upload anything, but I have a Pixiv account. Uh, I know, show you have one. Oh, I am a very frequent um, uh, downloader, <laughs> not uploader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for multiple reasons. Um, but yeah, like, Pixiv is a great fan resource. It it has become, I think, the definitive fan resource if you actually want to potentially get discovered it's no guarantee that you will be discovered on pixiv if you're a really good artist but i think you greatly improve your chances if you're a japanese fan artist or just artist in general if you put your stuff on pixiv and see you see what comes of it honestly i don't understand how the manga section of pixiv works because partially because i don't speak japanese and their uh website is in japanese but also partially that you have to... I think you have to pay for it, right? I have no idea. Um, okay, so yeah, there are parts of Pixiv that you do you do end up paying for. But like just to search the website, that's free. Yeah, most of the fan art is available free. But there's not much manga on there for free. Now, some artists will put like samples of their manga on like the free side. Yeah, not that you could read it unless you speak Japanese. Well, true, if, unless you're Japanese. Or well, and there there is nothing to stop people from in you know other countries from it, like it is a Japanese centric website. That's true, but there's literally nothing stopping anyone from anywhere from uploading to the site, and people do. There are a lot of of like American, Canadian, Mexican, European fan artists that put their stuff up on Pixiv, and some of them are, I would say. Are pretty good at getting them getting their name out there too i don't think you'll ever get like discovered for the anime industry if you're a western or putting your art on there but who knows you might 
I, th- I feel like I would definitely encourage more Westerners to use Pixiv, but it's kind of intim- intimidating, honestly, because the whole user interface is in Japanese. But the community is so large, and it's so, and the website is so um, well stocked with so many people and so many artists that it's such a great community. So I would really recommend any Western artists that are using other websites to also use Pixiv. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that Pixiv has recently inter. I I could be wrong about this, but I think Pixiv has recently introduced uh, English into their search function. Which yes, is nice. they have, which is extremely helpful. I don't have to copy paste from Mal every search. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you can type in just about anything in English now, and the actual Japanese like word will come up. Like you, I, I type in thighs, and the Japanese word for thigh comes up. Yeah, but like on the flip side, uh, as an artist, I mean, the rest of the site is in Japanese and you probably want to tag your works with Japanese tags, which is a pain. Um, But I think it would pay off. Yeah. Um, It would be nice if they instituted like maybe a a automatic translation function for their tags. That would be great. It sounds like a lot of coding. It does. Not to say it's impossible, but it, it could be done. Um. So I, I see that you put this down here on the doc that we're working from here show. So do you actually want to talk about some of these things where you actually think the fan art is better than the source material? Where in this doc? This is a very large doc. I know we did. We went a little overboard with this. A little. Um, fan art is better than the original material. I'm sorry. What? Oh, okay. Okay. So I just found it interesting that. There's a lot of art that I am really into um, just for the visual aspect of it, but I could not be like, no one could ever make me watch the actual source for it because it is complete and utter garbage. I can't, <laughs> but like the, the aesthetic and the visuals of it are very uh, pleasing to look at. Um, and I just find that interesting that uh, fan art has uh, that ability to um, make me a fan of a show without me even watching the show. Like, I would be willing to even buy products for this show, um, but not even watch it because the actual plot is garbage. Um, and some examples of this I have is uh, Shinkalion Elsword. Uh, Xenoblade and Gridman uh, Gridman in particular for the main character in a skirt because that is um, okay sign emoji <laughs> Christ by the way I, I actually had to because he didn't watch the Gridman anime I actually had to explain to him that's not something that a, a fan artist came up with that's actually in the in the real in the anime I think it's like episode like seven or eight where the main character dresses up in like a schoolgirl uniform. All I can say is, okay, sign emoji. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people did end up uh, drawing him in that outfit, so uh, you weren't alone in liking it for sure. Oh yeah, I uh, I have a lot of downloads. All right, leave it, <laughs> leave it, leave it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not this is not a podcast episode about your masturbatory habits, sir. Whoa, who's saying anything about masturbation? <laughs> Moving on. 
<laughs> oh man. So one something that I think that you mentioned just a little bit ago show were web novels and how like a lot of a lot of light novels, um or not a lot, but a fair number of light novels start out as web novels that are independently produced and put online for people to read and then they kind of get discovered and then a publishing company will like, hey, why don't we just publish this? Yep. Um something that comes to mind is well, something very recent that comes to mind is Goblin Slayer. That's how Goblin Slayer was. Goblin Slayer really? was just put on on some forum or something somewhere and it was got really popular and then someone came along and said, uh, hey, why don't we just publish this as an actual light novel? Hey? Like that's really cool that that can happen. Yeah, it also not a novel, but um a webcomic that I think of is One Punch Man, where you see mm. from the original uh, webcomic to the, if you compare it to the anime, um, there's such a huge production difference. You can see how the artist that started from basically nothing um, went on to be part of a project that is completely like one of the best uh visually animated works uh, that has been produced yeah for sure i mean and the, those production values are going to change again with the second season because it's being done by a completely different studio <laughs> well we'll just Whoopee. see what happens with that <laughs> yeah it, but it is that that is one of the things that that john and i have actually talked about this in the past where it's it's kind of interesting to look at when like I know you mentioned a web comic, but also web novels are like this too. There's all, there's usually like some changes that happen when a web novel goes to being a web from being a web novel into like a light novel, or a web comic goes into being like an actual published manga or an anime series. And it's, I, for me personally, it's always interesting to look at those differences. It's like, is this just the artist going in and, and editing it to make it a little better because you know he thought he or she thought of something after the fact or is this something that was done for simplicity's sake or was this done because the company that's publishing it or or making an anime wanted it a certain way i love that um in the overlord web novel there was no albedo and then in the light novel they added an albedo and literally the main reason I watch Overlord is for Albedo. Albedo. I'm like, how can you not have put her in the original? <laughs> yeah, like, thank that's, God they that's did. A huge. That's a huge difference between the original web novel and the light novel. I know. Um, so I, it would be it would be very interesting to find out why that was done. <laughs> sex appeal and hey, sex well, sells. That's true. Sex sex sells, man. Um. <laughs> Should we talk about the fan the, the fan fiction that isn't fan fiction? Fan Go ahead. What? All right, so I, John originally put this on the dog, so I feel like I'm obligated to talk about it now. Sword Art Online, chapter 16.5. Oh, for, God. First of all, this technically isn't fan fiction because it was written by the author of Sword Art Online when SAO was still a web novel. And I, I don't know the full story, but what how it's been told to me is this was chapter 16.5 was written uh, before Sword Art Online got picked up for any kind of publishing or anything. And it wasn't really the, the story itself wasn't very popular at the time when this was written. And the author never expected SAO to become 
anything remotely popular. So chapter 16.5 is literally just a sex scene, a very prolonged sex scene between Asuna and Kirito. And if you haven't read it, the only way to actually read it that I know of in English right now is it's on fanfiction.net, or at least it has been for a while. I don't know if it's still there, but for a long time, that's been the only way you could read it in, in English. Um, it's not great, but it has some really quotable lines in it. Um, most most notably, two years worth of semen made a glopping noise. Um, I don't even. Good lord, um, it's it's an interesting thing which I have for at least a year and a half now tried to convince you guys to make to have us do a dramatic reading. Maybe and no one, one day. Moving on. <laughs> you guys won't do it, and I want you to do it. God, my stomach just turned. I know, I know why Show doesn't want to do it because he knows that if he if he signs up to do this. <laughs> We're going to make him play the part of Asuna, and all he's going to do is, it's going to be like 30 minutes of him just going, ah, ah. Hey, I usually charge for these kind of services. <laughs> That's why he won't do it. <laughs> but I think if I were to slide him a few Benjamins, he might change his mind. Honey, I flip with the Benjamins. <laughs> It's, it's, I will say this before we move on. Chapter 16.5 of SAO is worth reading for its entertainment value alone. Uh, you will get a laugh out of it, for sure. If not, an uh, enormous amount of cringe. Did you want to talk about Nifty? Oh, God. This is, like, my dark past. So while we're on the um, topic of fanfiction, we can talk about actual fanfiction. Um from a website called nifty.org, which I used to frequent, uh, and I use that term very um, lightly because I did, boy, did I frequent that site. And like, it has like, it's a really basic site. I think it's actually, I'm not entirely sure what it had, but I was only on the gay section, honey. <laughs> God, those are uh, good times. I was on there every single day for hours I, on end. Yes, Chinoda. <laughs> I want. I want. I want to say something though. This the website says that it was founded in 1992. The website definitely looks like it was designed in 1992. Oh, honey, it is the most old school shit you ever seen. And once you go, like the formatting of the of the website is shitty, and then w- once you actually click on the actual stories, the formatting of the stories, they're all just like a blob of text in this really old font, like barely any paragraphs. I'm like, damn, someone <laughs> just shit all over this screen with words, and I'm gonna someone, eat it all someone, up. Someone needs website design, like stat. <laughs> Oh my god, but that used to me yeah, that used to be my haven of um of good things. <laughs> um and I think like I'd usually read stuff from um Western comics or just like Marvel stuff. I don't even like Marvel stuff. I just read the gay shit, okay? Um but well, I also- you know you can probably find that on there. <laughs> Wait, find what? Find fan- Marvel fan fiction. 
gay Marvel fan fiction. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I used to read. Oh. <laughs> um. What? What? Oh, and I, but I I liked a lot of uh, original um just OCs as well. So I really enjoyed that site. So I wanted to give a shout out. Okay. And it's still around. It's been around forever, and it's still around. Actually, sure it's gonna last until the dying days. Probably. Oh my god. A funny thing. One of the uh, stories from Nifty got adapted into a doujinshi by by a doujinshi artist. Um, I don't know the name of it, but we can. I'll I'll look it up and we'll find it sometime okay. later. You know. I better say because you know how much John loves it when you type while we're recording. Ah, oh, fuck. Fine. I'll I'll fucking do it on my phone so I can't hear my types. The only um, thing I really am sad about is all the unfinished stories on there. God, there's so yeah. many chapters. I never fi- like. I there's so many things that I haven't read all the chapters for. Not gonna lie. Sometimes I'll uh, look up uh, some of my favorite stories look up the author or whatever see if they've made any updates like i know it's not gonna happen but i maintain some inkling of hope and i feel sorry for that poor inkling of hope because i know it's not real damn janota you still on that still there (laughs) i like how you're judging him I'm just impressed. Like you, 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 a hardcore fan. Not, not you even like the on end. the website. Like I will search throughout the whole of internet, like oh. everywhere. Site so try to find some update. Maybe they moved on to another site, but no, never, <laughs> nothing. They may, maybe they realized, oh shit, why did I even do this? And it's like, nah, not even gonna go back and revisit my past. Those Guess bastards not. not finishing those well, things off. Well, well, yeah. God, don't you hate it when work goes unfinished? High <clears throat> uh, school of the dead? <clears throat> Berserk. Hunter, hunter. Hiatus, ex hiatus. <laughs> so while while show is gonna go look up. Whatever he's gonna look up, I want to. I, I want to p- uh, put a, a question out there to both of you that he actually wanted to ask. Um, so, would you guys consider non-canon works by original authors fan works? You know, I love semantics, and I'm gonna say no. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I have so many doujinshi's in my favorites. I... He's got a lot to look through. <laughs> I don't think uh, non can works, but well, they are, but they aren't. Like <laughs> on one hand, they are uh, non can works, so they don't necessarily matter. But at the same time, they're works by the author, so they hold a place above all other fan fictions and other fan works. So. So uh, an author can admit that it's non-canon, that it actually, you know, it can go inside whatever universe they've created, but you wouldn't necessarily consider that a fan work. Yeah. Okay, think of it this way. Uh, The Dragon Ball movies. Mm-hmm. Basically, all of them are non-canon, except for, like, the very recent ones. Yeah. But they still hold a very important place in uh, a lot of people's hearts and in the Dragon Ball community itself. 
Well, isn't there a lot of debate in the Dragon Ball community about which movies should actually be considered canon? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Especially because uh, Toriyama himself was not involved in any of them? Yeah, don't Question think... Question mark? He... Maybe one I or don't know. two. I don't keep uh, up with Dragon Ball. He might have been somewhat involved, but mostly... Like, I know for sure most of them he wasn't involved in. It wasn't until very recently he actually, like, very much got involved in the uh, movies. All right, I... I... Jumping off of this question, I have sort of another question. Right, before ask. you get to the next question, I would just like okay. to say um, the the nifty uh, fan fiction that got turned into a manga is called The Sweet Life of a Skater Boy, and it is mm. not a Sweet Life of Zack and Cody uh, spinoff, but I have but I have read a lot of those. Okay, wow. <laughs> Totally not judging you in my head right now. Um, I was a sad, sad man. You are a sad. I mean, you were a sad, sad man. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> All right, let's not get too deep. It's not. All it's right. not past twelve o'clock yet. So, not yet. It will be eventually. So, jumping off the previous question, um, would either of you consider um, a a work either canon or non-canon? Uh, of like a, an already established work done by an already established author, but it's completely different from the original author. Is that a fan work? You just hurt my brain. Okay, for exa- I'll give you a good example of this. So Nisio Eason, who is the uh, writer behind like the Monogatari series, he uh, a few years ago wrote a uh, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure novel. Now, he's obviously not the creator of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. He's just a fan of the, the series, and he wanted to make a, he wanted to write a story that took place in that universe. Um, and the creator of JoJo's uh, came out and said he doesn't necessarily consider it canon, but he actually really likes the novel. So is that a fan work, even though it's kind of it's uh, canon is questionable? No, it's still a fan work overall, no matter what. Because it's separate from the author, and they don't acknowledge it as canon, no matter how much they might like it, and how much they might acknowledge it. Until they themselves come out and say, hey, yeah, that's canon. No, it's not. So, Would you say the same thing, Show? So was this work published? Yes, it's like, yeah, it was, it was published and sold. So, I would say it's not a fan work because it was published and sold. Okay. But I totally understand uh, Chinoda's line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's dubious. I mean, you can see it both ways, I think. Um, obvi- I mean, obviously, it was work done by a fan because Nisio Eason says that he's a big fan of the of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But is it act- does it qualify as a fan work? I mean, that's the questionable part. And I don't know. I can I can certainly see it both ways. Anyway, that was an interesting question I wanted to ask while you're looking for your, uh, oh, looking through my dark favor. past to your dark dark past. So the next thing I want to move on to is this somewhat newer phenomenon of fan produced anime. Um, one of the things, or the the one person I want to point to first and foremost is a guy by the name of Paul Johnson. He's a um, he's an animator who. Uh, a few years ago, did a um, 
And he, he also is like in love with late 80, late 80s, early 90s style animation. Um, so a few years ago, he did uh, sort of a, what would you call that? Um, an exposition of what he would think a Doctor Who anime would have looked like in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I mean, yeah, the and he did this when he was relatively new at what he was doing, so it's a little sketchy, but it kind of went to show that you could take these Western franchises and make them an anime, and it could still be passable as an anime. Um, and then a few years later, I think it was in 2015, he did um, a Star Wars anime short called TIE Fighter Remastered. Oh, God, yes. And that looks absolutely amazing. You can tell that he uh, he has advanced so much since doing that Doctor Who anime short. Um, and it, it, the, the, it has all original music in it, which I think he had commissioned by someone. Um, and like, it's, it's sort of, it's a silent film basically, but the visuals in it are absolutely spectacular. And it's like, if there was ever an actual star Wars anime, it's like, I kind of would hope it would look this good. Unfortunately, right now, the closest is uh, the currently airing series, Star Wars Resistance. It is yeah. based off of a anime uh, style. The creator of the show himself said um, he was inspired uh, by said style and wanted to create uh, something like that. And you can very much see um, the inspiration in the show itself. It's not quite there. It's... Uh, about halfway between uh, anime in, anime inspired style and a uh, CG style, but it is done very well, I would say. Yeah, if only it was about a part of the Star Wars franchise I cared about. Honestly, I uh, I personally think it's a part of the franchise that's very rather un uh, under uh, not as well represented. The everyday lives of everyone else not just uh force users and i very much appreciate that it uh, focuses on other people the other interesting aspects of the universe itself and i very much am in love with it i didn't know a good amount of the community is actually uh paying uh attention to the series as well i i know there's a lot of people that are watching it i just I just I can't be I for I cannot be and Natai will hate this when I say it but I just can't be excited about anything for the new Star Wars stuff. No, it I definitely understand. As as a hardcore fan, I I do get where you're coming from. Um Anyways. Yeah, definitely check out definitely check out Paul Johnson's uh work if if you get a chance and I'm going to I'm going to do my best to link everything that we've talked about here as much as I can at least down below. Yeah, a lot of these so. things are publicly available and very easy to yeah. look up. So we should And I'll link as much as much of it as I can. Um but definitely definitely check out at least the Doctor Who uh, anime short and the TIE Fighter remastered anime short. Um number one, watching them back to back, you see a, a lot of growth as an animator and then when you get to the TIE Fighter it's like it's it's really good. It's god tier animation. Straight up. Considering it was all drawn and animated by one person. Which, that in itself is amazing. Um, But another fan-produced, I guess you would say a fan-produced anime that came out recently was... um, Do we know whether this is a one-shot or was this supposed to be like a pilot for something bigger? It's supposed to be a pilot. 
Okay, so it's supposed to be a pilot for something bigger. I don't think, at least to my knowledge, anything has come of it yet. And that's as a project called Indigo Ignited, which actually about, what was it, about a year or so ago, we did an episode of the podcast where we talked about this. Did we Did uh, we actually produce it or did we not? What do you mean? Did we actually record it? I feel like yes. we planned for it. Oh, we did? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we did. oh, yeah, we did. I remember I forced you to watch it. You forced me to watch it like 15 minutes before we started. Uh-huh. That's true. Um, but yeah, um, and that I I didn't bring any of it up. I did. You, <laughs> please help me, show. What about Indigo um, Ignited? Yes, I don't want I don't want to remember about Indigo Ignited. Remember, so it. all this Talk information may or may not be true. Um, uh, well, like the show itself was, the animation was uh, shaky. And it clearly the main appeal of the show that it was going for was that it was an action show, so the animation on the fight scenes were supposed to be the main appeal. And it was it was interesting, but also, you know, kind of ghetto. Um but I loved the fact that they used uh YouTube voice actors and actresses um for I think the two main voices. Uh that was pretty nice. I enjoyed that. Um I don't really have anything else to say about Indigo Ignited. Yeah, I I personally think that when you consider that it was an anime project that was done by a handful of people, um, I think you can... And all of these people are amateurs. None of them were professionals by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think you can put aside some of the inconsistencies in the animation and like the shakiness of it. At least I can. Um for the fact that it ever got made at all. Um, I think for a completely amateur production, it's certainly passable. It's certainly better than anything that any of us could do if we got together and tried to do this. Um, but like you say, I'm, I think it was really cool that they decided to get like like established anime uh, YouTubers to do the voices. Um, one of them was uh, Nathan Sharp, who he has a channel called Nate Wants to Battle. The other one is Amanda Lee, who does has a channel called uh, Lee and Lie. Uh, both of which I think you should check out, and I, we're going to talk about those and those two in a couple of seconds here. Um, but I don't know. I thought for for a, a completely amateur production, it was definitely more than I expected. It was something. <laughs> Uh, before we move on, did you want to talk about yeah, so, Dancy Engine? So uh, there's a lot of fan animation, you could call it, on a website called dlsite.com. Um, in addition to fan games and um, fan, what do you call it, audiobooks? Um, yeah, like, yeah, audio novels. And uh, like fan manga. There's like a lot of fan stuff on dlsite.com. But in particular, uh, it was in- it's interesting that there's uh, quite a few um, animated CG sets, uh, you could say they are, um, which you could consider an animation if you wanted to, um, on uh, that website. And uh, one I would like one artist who does uh, these animated CG sets that I would like to give a shout out to is Danzy Engine, uh, who does a lot of Shota. Um, animation and it's actually pretty pretty high quality um 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I don't think dlsite.com. Well, uh, most it's a it's basically it's um it's a merchant site, so you have to pay for everything on there. Um, but I don't think it's a very popular site in the West. But it has a lot of content in there, so I find that interesting. All right. Um, I've never I never heard of it until you talked about it before we started. There's a lot of content, honey. You can find a lot of shit. Uh, I have no doubt that you are the shit finder. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on. Um, another area, as I mentioned before, uh, is the the rise of of fans who will who come together to produce covers and and English versions of anime songs on uh, on YouTube. Two of the well, two of the more prominent ones that I that I know of are, uh, as I said before, Nathan Sharp or Nate wants to battle and uh, Emily or. Uh, he has a channel called Lee and Lie on YouTube, and uh, both of these people have not—they've not only for years, a few years now, been producing these covers uh, of anime songs and English versions of them, um, but they've also started to get into actual, like, legitimate voice acting. Uh, Amanda Lee, probably more so than uh, uh, Nate wants to battle, uh, she has actually started to do. For uh, got she's gotten into English dubs and she started recently to start doing instead of just minor supporting roles she's starting to do main character roles. In fact, on the upcoming Zombieland Saga English dub, she plays one of the main characters, Junko Kono. Oh, that's a notable role! Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, and she's also she's had role uh, roles in Tokyo Ghoul Re, uh, Overlord season two, in One Piece, uh, Kaon. All, all kinds of the 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 newest uh, card cap is Sakura, so I mean, and, and it, it again, it's it's one of these things. Oh, she's she's also a supporting character in Hinamatsuri, which I know will will make will tickle you, Chinoda. Oh yeah, oh. I know yeah. you love Hinamatsuri. <laughs> I I can't wait. I'll definitely check out the dub. See if it's uh if it holds up. Yeah. Um. And it just it, it's amazing to see these people do this. Um, I also I don't know this for a fact, but and this is something where I want to talk about here in just a second too. I think she's also the voice of the main character in the game Yandere Simulator. I think I'm not sure about that, but uh, I'll have to go look that up. But I'm pretty sure she is. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool that you can just go you can start doing the, these like vocal covers and stuff. And then get picked up to do voice acting. I think with with Emily in particular, uh, she went to a tryout, or no, she went to a, a voice acting competition uh, called AX Idol, and that's how she got like picked up to do voice acting. So it's just, it's it's, just, it's really cool that people can do this and get into the industry this way. Christina V was the same way. Christina V has become a really like a mainstream English dub voice actress who started out just really, she was started out as a, a huge anime fan who started releasing covers of anime songs on YouTube. And then someone discovered her that someone in a voice acting agency discovered her doing that. And they asked her to come in and do like some, some uh, like tryouts and auditions. And that's how she got into the, the voice acting industry. Um, by the way, I've actually met Christina V in person a couple of times now. If you ever get a chance, if you're going to a convention where she's at, try and meet her because she is absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, you guys have any examples of this or can I move on? <laughs> I don't listen I don't to nothing. 
these people. You don't. I know you don't do English dub show. We all know you think that the English language is terrible, even though you speak it. Okay, it is sure. a bastard of a language. Um, I was another reason I wish John was here. So there were two things that he wanted to talk about. Um, uh, so Nano and Claris, who are two people you probably are familiar with if you watch anime and you actually pay attention to OPs and EDs, uh, they do a fair amount of those. Um, they both got discovered for doing Vocaloid covers on uh, the video sharing website Nika Nika Doga. So, again, another way into the end. Nika Nika, a lot of people have been discovered on Nika Nika Doga, not just those two. Nika, Nika Nika Doga is like the pixiv of music. Like, you can be discovered, like, your musical chops can be discovered through through Nika Nika Doga. And I, I like that, too. I don't actually use Nika Nika Doga very often. In fact, most of the times I go on Nika Nika Doga, it's because someone linked me to it. But moving on from music, I want. Oh, I guess we can finish up on games. Um, I mentioned it before, Yandere Simulator. So Yandere Simulator, if you've never played it, it it's a free-to-play game for now. Uh, it's still an alpha. It's been an alpha for years. But it, it, it's, it's made by one guy who... Well, and now people who have who've added their who have volunteered. Everyone that works on it, besides the one guy who started it, is a volunteer. They don't get paid for doing what they do. Um, but this guy started out as an anime fan who really likes the yandere like archetype or trope, and he built an entire game around this this idea where you play as a yandere and you got to try and win over your senpai and it. Since it's been an alpha for so long, a lot of people are thinking it's going to be perma alpha, but I don't think it will be. I think eventually it'll be like fully re- a fully released game. Um, but it also got into some trouble a couple of years ago because it was on Steam for a long time, and then it just got taken off with no explanation, no nothing. Oh yeah, I remember that shit show. Yeah, that was, and that caused a big uproar on Steam. It was like, and it was because it wasn't really, it was never fully explained as to why it was taken off. But in in the game, you actually you literally kill school aged children to win the affection of someone. So I guess some people at Steam thought that was unseemly. But now it'll be interesting to see if Yandere Simulator ever goes back on Steam now that they've sort of relaxed their guidelines on stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, this is all being done primarily by one guy who's just really passionate about about anime and this particular archetype who started out doing it in his spare time, and now, since he's gotten a bunch of followers and people that actually play the game and help him with it, um, he's been able to quit his job and do this full-time because people will donate to him, like, on Patreon and Kickstarter and stuff like that. And, like, I I would I support people that do this. It's like, you have, a, you have an ability and a passion, and you put it together and make something that the community can come together as a whole and appreciate. It's like, yes, please. Have either of you actually played Yandere Simulator? I haven't played it. I've watched the YouTube demos by from the official site. It looks like a lot of yeah. fun. Well, at least it's not a game that I would play, but it's a lot of fun to watch people play it. It's I've, I've seen been, the I've memes. Been, <laughs> I think I I don't remember exactly when I started playing it, but it was not too long after it had first gotten released. So. I'm just, it's just fun for me every time there's a new release, a new alpha build that comes out, seeing what's changed and what's been put in. And I'm really curious to see what happens like when this becomes like a full-fledged, completed game. Like Because there's so much talk of, of features and stuff that's going to go in it. It's like, 
is is it ever going to stop? I like finish what you're going to do, then perfect it and release it. I think the the uh, biggest thing that sticks out to me in my memory of Yandere Simulator is uh, all like the what the cheat uh, codes where you can, um, for example, uh, have Titans walk through the schoolyard <laughs> from Attack yeah. on Titan. I- I would also like to say that um, the game itself is being built with mod support in it, so it'll be interesting to see what people come up with for mods for this game. Um, so I guess I guess lastly we can talk about. Uh, you want to talk about Black Monkey? Sure. sure. Um, that is not a euphemism unless you want it to be. Uh, Whoa! <sighs> Holy sh! Okay, all right. Um, John might have to censor that. Well, I didn't mean it as a racist youth. No, moving on. Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. With their this their goddamn name, uh, Black Monkey Pro is a uh, independent or was an independent group of uh, BL artists who did uh, manga and art and also um, visual novels. Very short visual novels, but visual novels nonetheless. Uh, they did Sleepover and Home Run, and uh, they were honestly pretty nice. Um, I always loved the art was good. I always loved their art, so um, I loved that they incorporated that art into uh, a visual novel. That was great. And recently, one of their well, they've now since disbanded, but one of their members uh, has gone ahead and made his own project. And created a visual novel named Camped Buddy. Um, and that's been recently released. And it's actually quite well produced, honestly. It has animated um, cuts, not cutscenes, animated, well, let's be honest, animated sex scenes. And, um, and the scenes are, or actually the entire novel is like mostly voiced. Like most of the lines are voiced. So that's pretty impressive, honestly. That's way more than a lot of um, official visual novels do. So having a fan work go so far is uh, very, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact about that game. If you actually watch the end credits, you can see show's name in them. Oh, my. Right. Oh, you supported them, I'm assuming. Yeah, because well, the whole thing was done through a Patreon campaign, and he supported them enough to get his name in the credits. Well, all right then. I will be, uh, carved into history. Yeah, it is. Like it, it's it's a really impressive project for a fan produced or like uh, independently produced, I guess you could say, visual novel. Um, especially a BL visual novel, which again, let's be honest, there's not that many of them. There isn't. Um, so it's not, and <laughs> I think it was, it was funny because the, uh, I guess the head, the, like the head of this project is a, is a person named Miko-kun, um, on his official or his, I guess it's his personal, uh, Twitter, uh, put a screenshot at the end of 2018 where every year that Pornhub does like the most searched for uh, terms on, uh, on their site. And what was it like the, the third or the fourth uh, most searched for term under the gay section was camp buddy. That's hilarious. I th- it was definitely in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. 
I just thought that was, that was funny. It's like, is this really how big this is? The, well, no, it says one of two things. Either Camp Buddy is a lot bigger than I thought it was, or the uh, the community of people who go on to Pornhub to watch gay-themed videos is really small. Could be either. It could be. It could be. I just thought that was hysterical that, like, Camp Buddy was the like the one of the top 10 searched for terms on Pornhub. <laughs> Although now another fun fact, there are a bunch of people now since the game has officially been released, which we, you and I know this game was in development hell for a couple years. Oh, yep. Um, it was the, the release date was pushed back like at least six or seven times. Um, but if you go on to Pornhub, you can actually watch people do playthroughs of the visual novel. Oh my God. That's hilarious. But well, you can't do it on YouTube. I guess not. Well, YouTube has many problems. Well, I actually, there are people who have been doing playthroughs of Camp Buddy on YouTube. They just edit out the naughty parts. Nice. Yeah. Um. If you if you are interested in in, in BL content and you're looking for like a visual novel that is actually well produced, check out Camp Buddy. It's it's pretty good. Um. I I can. I've been through every single route, and it's they're all good. It's a very long visual novel, too. Yeah, by the, the story is so long, in addition yeah. to other uh, aspects. All right, so I want to wrap this up by talking very briefly about the unsung heroes of early, the early internet and the anime community, and that is people who do fan subs and fan translations. Um, I think it's safe to say that for me personally... I probably wouldn't have become. I certainly wouldn't have become an anime fan as early as I did without people like this. Um, and I know that you you can sit there and say that yeah, they're not really supporting the industry by putting this stuff out there. They're not going through official channels. I get it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This but was before the days, industry was set up. Is the thing though. This was back in the day. Yes. Like this was such a important part of what led to everything becoming as is. They were such a important piece of uh, our history. Absolutely. And of course, uh, back in those days, the internet wasn't what it is today. So I, I, even though that, yes, it wasn't above board, I still give these people who, who almost universally were, did all of this work unpaid and uncredited. Uh, I give them enormous enormous respect because a lot of people my age back then became anime fans because of this. And I think these people have never really gotten the amount of credit they deserve for it. I don't know if we want to get into this, but what is your stance on fan subs and fan laters of works that have been licensed? That have already been licensed? Yeah. I mean, obviously I want to support the industry, and I do as much as I can. Um, so anytime there's like an anime out there or even a manga or whatever that has already been licensed and will and is going to be coming out on like a legal streaming source or whatever, like, you know, Crunchyroll, Netflix, Hulu, whatever. Um, I always go there first to get it. Um, but that being said, there are some... There are occasionally some anime or whatever that don't get picked up. And yeah, I will do it for that. I, I'm not going to lie. I do uh, occasionally go and get 
anime torrents when I can't actually access them any other way. And I know that there's a there are people in other countries who, for them, it's the only way they can get some of these anime. Well, so I don't fault some people for doing it. I just think that if if you can, you should use it as a last resort. Yeah, I think if you can support, please support. If for whatever reason you can't, honestly, it's understandable because life just yeah. happens to work that way. It's not ideal. Obviously, um, I know most people want to support if possible, but sometimes life just doesn't work out that way. And that's just the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. My two cents is that it's a complicated issue, honestly. But um, if the uh, people who licensed it are not providing the products in the way that the consumers want it, I don't feel bad for going to fan suppers because if I'm going to pay for something, you might as well provide the service that I'm paying for. If that's That's my line of reasoning. Man, and that that's that's a valid argument that you can make. I I don't fault you for that argument. Um, yeah, Matt, perhaps we should actually do a podcast about that sometime. Just throwing that out there. Good idea. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I wanted to end with that because I think that the people back in like the the late eighties to the nineties that did those fan subs and fan translations, like they were they went so they they went above and beyond. Yeah, they did. And I can't think of anyone or any group out there that did it for money. They did it because they loved what they were doing. And they wanted to they wanted other people to be able to enjoy it in their native language. And this isn't just for people like in the English speaking world. Like there are there are fan subbers and fan translators in so all many over the world that do it languages. in so many different languages. Yeah. Um And then so the I people just, think, in uh Japan uh itself where they uh did their part to get it online in the first place because sometimes you just couldn't even uh find it over here in any way so it's yeah. it's not just uh here and there this this began on an international scale where we wanted to share with each other where we wanted other people to experience our joys and i've yeah, I just have to think that's so fucking beautiful. Like that's what a community is about. That is the power of fandom. And when it's not cancerous, and- it's fucking amazing. Ah, uh, but the cancer, the cancer always returns, my man. Yeah, yeah. But before the cancer returns to us, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. And as I mentioned before, I will try to include... As links to as many things as we talk to tonight as possible in the description as well. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. Best uh, fan artist turned artist is uh, Cardi B, obviously. <laughs> Please remember to support um, fan artists, fan creations, anything fan-related also, because that's what keeps a community going, and that what can even revive a franchise from it being dead so please remember to keep keep it going if you're invested into something keep it up
and eventually it will pay off. Do you know what revives me? Oh no, what? Beer. Beer is good. Beer is good. Beer is good. Come on.